Let's, let's pray, church. Father, we just thank you that we can come together and we can worship you this morning. Lord, I just pray that as we enter into your presence now, God, that as we invite you to and you just fill us in this moment, that you would rid me of myself, that you would fill every single one of us with your spirit and you would speak to us the message that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give a huge round of applause to our praise and worship team? Thanks so much, guys, for leading us out. You know, these guys put in effort during the week and they come in really early every Saturday morning to, to come and rehearse and get ready. And um, yeah, just so awesome to have so many young people up there serving and leading us out. It's such a blessing just to be able to praise Jesus here this morning. If I haven't met you before, my name's Lockie and I'm one of the pastors here at Gold Coast Central and we do just want to extend a huge welcome to everybody that is a visitor today or join us for the first time, whether it's here in person or online. We've got a few visitors from the holy city of Kurumbong here, so welcome guys. So good to have you blessing us with that presence. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, I also want to welcome everyone joining us online as well. Um, you know, like two of the baptisms we've had this year as a church have actually come uh, from people who connected with our church through the live stream which is pretty incredible. Um, so yeah, just want to extend a huge affirmation to our tech team up the back there that make it happen every week. The, the goal is always to be invisible and it's not until like something happens wrong up here that everyone turns around and acknowledges you guys. So we wanted to just acknowledge you and thank you so much for your work uh, because it is, uh, it is a tough task at times. And I mean, even this morning had a few challenges, but able to get up and running and it's all because you guys put in heaps of effort. So thank you so much. So if you are visiting or joining us for the first time in a while, um, our vision here at Gold Coast Central is to draw our community into a loving relationship with Jesus, right? That's the pulse, the heartbeat behind everything that we do is we want everyone to, to come here and to experience a genuine connection and then respond to Jesus. And that's why we do what we do, right? That's why we have a guest services team who do an incredible job every week and they, they do their best to make people feel welcome. Right, to, to make them feel a sense of belonging and warmth in this space so that when they come through those doors that they will have a, a genuine encounter with Jesus. That's why we have the new coffee machine that was set up during the week, finally. <laughs> so that people can come in and get like a warm drink and just like feel nice and cozy and feel like they're at home here. That's why we have music every week so that people can come and, and hear songs about Jesus and sing about Him and praise Him. That's why everything we do, we do because we want to draw people into a loving relationship with Jesus. Right? That's the heartbeat behind everything. Right? And if you forget anything else, if you forget everything, and that's the one thing you remember, is that we want to be drawing people into a loving relationship with Jesus. That's the heartbeat behind everything. So I'm going to show a picture on screen, and I want you to call out if you know what it is. What is that? A tic-tac? No, it's not a tic-tac. AirPods? No, it's not AirPods. A pillow? No, it's not a pillow. It's not chewing gum. I didn't hear that, but it, wasn't, it didn't quite sound like what I thought it was. <laughs> Caleb, what do you reckon? Soap? No, it's not soap. It does actually look like soap. I didn't think of that. Google. Who said Google? Nate. Mate, you're dressed the same as it. Look at that. You've got like the same grey colour. That's awesome. Now, this is called a Google Nest Audio, okay? And... These are those things, and this is how you can tell if people haven't uh, put their phones on silent. I haven't tried this before, but if I say, okay, Google. All right, everyone's got their phones on silent, good. If I say, okay, Google, usually that'll like turn on and then they'll say like, what do you want to do? What do you want to know? Um, we have one in the office over there. It's like a little mini version. It's like the office version. Um, and I was, it's just so convenient. It's so amazing because I can get up in the morning now and be like, hey, Google, what's the weather today? And it's like, the weather is blah, blah, blah in Labrador. And I'm like, amazing, because that's where I live. Or I can be, um, like the night before, like usually I had to go and like manually set my alarm. Those days are gone. Okay, Google, set my alarm for 6.30 in the morning. 
or 7.30 or not at all because I don't want to wake up early in the morning. And it does it for me. It's amazing. It's so convenient. So awesome. And I've been wanting one of these for a while, but I didn't really want to pay for them. And um, that's a bit of an obstacle if, you know, you have to get stuff. So um, I'm with Telstra. And what I, what I found out is that through the Telstra Rewards store, you can get one of these things. And the way it works is that for every dollar you spend, you get 10 points. Okay, you need 50,000 points to get a Google Nest Audio. And I've been with Telstra for about six or seven years, and slowly but surely, I've been progressing my way towards getting a Google Nest Audio. I was so excited. This isn't an ad for Google, by the way. I just, I just like it. Um, but finally, two weeks ago, I ticked over the 50,000-point mark. And I was able to order my free Google Nest Audio, and it arrived at my house, and it, is, it has been blissful ever since. Every day I know what the weather's going to be. I can set my alarm every night. I can even like play music while I'm cooking. It's amazing. But I think there's a similarity between this and, and what I'm talking about today because the way that the reward store works is that you get like reward for what you pay for, right? And so I was like accruing these points as I was paying for my bills every month. And the, and the result of that was I eventually got to a point where I had enough rewards in the bank, so to speak, that I could then claim this reward and it would be delivered to me. And it's similar in a sense, I think, to what it looks like in being a part of God's kingdom because a price has been paid on our behalf. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, there is a price that has been paid, which means that today you and I can experience salvation. We can actually say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you and I want to follow you. And in that moment, right there and then, we can have salvation because a price has been paid. It's, we just need to claim the reward that we've already got. It's sitting there. It's open. It's, it's ready for us to open up. It's like a gift, right? But then it's almost like, because the Google Nest took a, like a couple of weeks to arrive, it's almost like we've claimed the reward, but the reward is still coming. And that's kind of what it can be like sometimes following Jesus, because it's, it's a tension that I call the already not yet tension of God's kingdom. Because in Jesus, he's already defeated the powers of evil. He's already defeated Satan. He's already defeated the enemy. So we already have victory and salvation in Jesus. And yet we still live in a world that is not yet perfect, right? We still live in a world that is full of sin, that is full of things that are against God's kingdom. So we have this tension between what is a reality already as God's kingdom and what will be to come when he returns and takes us home with him. And we see this play out in the book of Revelation chapter 21. You can go there and you can read about uh, the second coming and what's, what it's going to look like. It's going to be incredible. But the reality is that right now today, if we decide to follow Jesus, we're instantly stepping into this tension of being a part of God's kingdom, that we have a reward right now, but it's still coming as well at the end. And that's the space that we're living in. And there are actually challenges that come with that, if we're being honest, right? Because following Jesus is not the norm in our world. Yeah? Especially on the Gold Coast. The Gold Coast isn't known a lot of the time for being the place where all the Christians live, right? It's known for being a bit of a holiday destination, a bit of a party destination. And, and more often than not, people think of Gold Coast and the first thing they think of isn't Jesus, Right? They think of things opposed to what maybe Christians would traditionally say, this is what it means to be a Christian. And so there's a tension there that we're existing in. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to open our Bibles. Father, thank you so much that we can come together. We can dive into your word. I just pray that you would speak through me now. May uh, the thoughts of my mind, the meditation of my heart, the words of my mouth, may they be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So if you have a Bible, please open to the book of Philippians. It is uh, in the New Testament of the Bible, which is the second section. New Testament starts when Jesus is born and comes onto the scene. And in Philippians, uh, there's a man writing and his name is Paul. And he writes a large chunk of the New Testament. He was a church leader, a church planter. He was a visionary, a teacher. He was, he was incredible. And he's writing to a church in the city of Philippi, it is called. And this city is located on one of the most important roads in the Roman Empire at the time. It's located between Rome and a city called Byzantine, which would later become Constantinople and then eventually Istanbul in Turkey. So Rome and, and, and Byzantine were two of the most significant cities in the Roman Empire. And Philippi was the town that was placed on that road. See, there was actually a civil war in Rome. And so Philippi was founded as a military colony. And so of all the cities in, in Rome, they had amongst the strongest allegiance to Caesar. In fact, if you were walking around the streets of Philippi, it wouldn't be unusual for someone to say, Caesar is my Lord and Savior. Right? That, that was pretty normal for people to say because they, they were there as loyal people to Caesar to maintain the peace and to make sure that Philippi remained on that pathway and protected that route between Byzantine and Rome. And so, so you have a, a church there as well that is planted, right? Great place to put a city, a, a great place to put a church, great city, because there are always people passing through. And it does remind me a bit of the Gold Coast, right? Because we are a city that, you know, a lot of people pass through a lot of the time, right? Whether they live here for a little bit or they come here on a holiday and then move away, whatever it is, people come through, right? And yet it's not always a city that is known for being a, a hub for Christianity or for, for Jesus' followers, in fact, most of the followers of Jesus in Philippi didn't have a Jewish background at all. So they didn't grow up doing things like Sabbath school or singing in church or hearing amazing kids stories and seeing balloons that should have popped, not pop. That was amazing. They didn't grow up with all that stuff, right? They didn't have any background in faith or in Christianity. In fact, they were what Paul calls or what many people in the New Testament call Gentiles. So they didn't have that, that traditional Jewish background. And so they'd actually made a conscious decision to step out of one way of living and one way of seeing the world into another way of seeing the world and another way of living. And so from the very outset, they're trying to live a life that is different to the world around them. And this is important to know as we're reading Philippians, because what we see there is that there's a lot of tension and a lot of frustration around what does it mean for me to be a citizen of heaven in a city that is so opposed to that? Is that a question anyone has ever had to ask themselves? Like, what does it mean for me to be a Christian in a world that isn't Christian? <laughs> right? I think it's like one of the most significant challenges that, that we face when we decide to follow Jesus. Because we're opting into, by default, a different way of existing in the world. And that is exactly what Paul is talking about here in Philippians. So we're going to start in chapter 1, verse 27. And Paul says this. He says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. As citizens of heaven. Of heaven. I want to pause there just quickly because when you do decide to follow Jesus, you find there a belonging and an inclusion that you will not find equal to anywhere else. When you decide to follow Jesus, you're welcomed into God's kingdom. And there you will find a more substantial belonging than you could find anywhere else. Live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I, this is Paul talking, he says, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and with one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. So Paul says, like, whether, whether I come to you again or whether I don't, it's not going to matter because if you're living as citizens of heaven, 
Something that is going to characterize you guys is unity. It's togetherness. Right? In, in a world that's divided, remember Philippi was, was planted as a city after a civil war. Right? So in a world that was divided, the church was supposed to be a place for unity and for inclusion and for togetherness. Right? For a oneness of purpose and a vision. That's why I love that as a church we have a vision to draw our community into a loving relationship with Jesus because it's something for people to get behind and to work towards. And Paul says that this is important. This is significant because we will be standing together, right? Not standing apart, pointing fingers, but we will be standing together as followers of Jesus with one spirit and one purpose. And we'll be fighting together for, what are we fighting together for? For the faith, which is the good news. Fighting together for the good news of Jesus. It's not, it's not complicated. It's not, it's not difficult to, to understand what Paul's trying to say here. It's a simple concept, but it's incredibly difficult to live out in real life, right? I've heard it said in the past that life would be so much easier if we didn't have to deal with people. Anyone else heard that before? Right? And you can kind of put different contexts around it, like, oh, my workplace would be so much easier if I didn't have to deal with people. Man, going to Woolies and buying that food would be so much easier if I didn't have to deal with people. Working in a church, I'm not going to say that. But Paul says there's something to be said for standing together and for living in unity. And that is something that should set Christians apart, followers of Jesus apart. And we keep reading in in verse 28 of this passage. Paul says, don't be intimidated by your enemies. Remember, this is a church in a city that is opposed to Jesus that have made a conscious decision to live their lives differently. They were still the minority. And remember, it's a military colony. So most of these guys are soldiers that are opposing them. And they have the authority to, to do to these Christians whatever they want, whenever they want, because of their position. But Paul says, don't be intimidated by your enemies. It'll be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Hang on. The privilege of suffering for him. I don't know about you, but for me, the first thing that comes to mind whenever I face a struggle, particularly if it's like faith related, is why? Why, God? Why am I going through this? Like, why am I facing this struggle? Why is such a bad thing happening to such a good person? But Paul says, Paul says here, it's so interesting. He says, it is a privilege to suffer for Christ. And he says, it's because we are in this struggle together. And so we come back to the idea of unity. We're not suffering alone. We're not struggling alone. I don't know what you're going through today, but whatever you're facing, you're not going through it alone. Because here in this church are people that care for you, that care about you, that pray for you regularly. Every single Monday at our leadership meeting, we pray for this church. And every Wednesday at 10 a.m., there's a prayer group that prays for this church. And every Saturday morning, if you come here, you can come to the prayer corner and there are people that will pray for you. Right? There are people that love you, that care for you, and that wants to see God work in your life and want to see you come to know Jesus more. And they want to support you and help you on that journey. Paul says, you have seen my struggle in the past and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. See, Paul isn't writing the letter of Philippians from a cushy office somewhere on the Gold Coast. Paul's writing from prison. 
right? He's in the pits when he's writing this letter. And he says, hey, even though I'm not with you personally, we have a oneness that transcends whatever struggles we face. And it's found in Jesus. Paul's still in the midst of it and he's trying to encourage these guys. And what he does next is he starts asking a bunch of rhetorical questions. And he says this, he says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? You know, these letters wouldn't have been read like we're reading them or I'm sharing them now. They would have been, basically someone would stand at the front of a community and they would be read out to people. And I imagine at this point, the person reading would be reading these questions and then pausing and everyone's going, yeah, yeah, there is. So Paul's trying to remind them that there is encouragement from belonging to Christ. There is encouragement from belonging to Christ. There is comfort in his love. And there is fellowship in the Spirit. He reminds them that when you accept this, that your hearts will become tender and compassionate. And then Paul goes on to say, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly. Not tolerating, not putting up with, but agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. And again, we see this idea of unity, of togetherness coming to the forefront. Paul is talking about the challenge of being a citizen of heaven in a world that's opposed to God. And he says, hey, what is important is that you realize that when you follow Jesus, like you need to be one with other followers of Jesus. That needs to be your priority. That needs to be your focus. And we get a beautiful insight right in the core of those three things there where it says loving one another. Paul could have used one of three Greek words there, but he chose to use the word agape or agape or agape, however you want to pronounce it. And that is a love that is unconditional. It is a love that only God can truly display. And so if we want to be able to live like this, if we want to be able to be one, to be citizens of heaven, we can't do it on our own. We need God's love to dwell in our hearts and flow out of us. Right? Like, like you're filling up a cup and you're being full of, of God's love to the point where it overflows out of you. Even in our best efforts, we can't love how God loves. We can't love like God loves, but God wants to bring that kind of love out of us. And that is what we need if we're going to live as citizens of heaven. You might be thinking, okay, well, this is cool. This all sounds all right. But like, if it's so simple and straightforward, why isn't it the case? Like, Why are there so many denominations? Why are there so many different churches here on the Gold Coast? You know, if you drive along this highway, you'll find like probably seven or eight churches with over a thousand members, right? Why are there so many different groups if, if we're supposed to be one, if we're supposed to be together? Church, Paul goes, Paul goes on to write about this in the very next verse. These are the things that are going to stand in the way of oneness and of unity. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. But be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others as well. The things I see here that Paul's trying to call out in this church is he's trying to call out pride. He's trying to call out arrogance and selfishness. He's saying, hey, if you want to be one, if you want to live as citizens of heaven, like you need to rid yourself of those things. And I'm going to be completely honest, church. Like, these are things that I struggle with, right? I struggle with pride. 
I struggle with selfishness, right? Putting myself first, yeah? And I think if we're being honest that many of us struggle with these things as well. Symptoms of these kind of things uh, are things like when people say, oh, I didn't really like the, uh, the worship today. Or, man, I just, I really connected with that message. It just made me feel so good. Or, no, I don't like that church. I'm going to go to this church instead. If, if we think about the, the thought pattern behind that, at the heart of that is, what do I like? What do I want? What satisfies me and makes me happy? And it's a really confronting thing when, you, when, you, when we think through that because we realize, man, like, I need to, to, to really check my heart, right? Am I being selfish? Am I, am I being prideful in my own walk with Jesus? As we reflect on those things, I think we'll see time and time again that as broken people, we often are. But Jesus is constantly inviting us back into, into the way he wants us to live our lives. And as Paul articulates beautifully here, he says, be humble. Right? Think of others as better than yourselves. A lot of times people think humility uh, means that they think less of themselves. Right? That they think that they're worse than they actually are. That's not humility. That's self-deprecation. Right? Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking more of others. Yeah? And that's, that's more like in, in quality. So you, th- like you think the best of people. You speak out the best in people. You call out the best in people. But it's also thinking more about others in quantity, right? So, so your thoughts are less on yourself and more on other people. Your focus isn't inward, it's outward. That's what humility looks like in practice. It's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking more of others. And he says, take an interest in others too. When was the last time you came to church and thought to yourself, today is not about me, it's about someone else that I'm going to speak to and to encourage and to build up, to speak life into, to call out the value you see in them. There are four words that I've seen change lives so many times by the power of God's Spirit. And it's this, it is, I see in you. Don't underestimate the power of those four words. Because you could go to someone and say, hey, I see in you the potential for God to do this. Or hey, I see in you this incredible gift and I want to see God use it. Well, hey, I see in you that, that, that God is just calling you to this. Never underestimate the power of those four words because when we see value in people and when we call it out, more often than not, it does something in, in someone's heart that actually challenges them or softens them more up to the working of the Spirit. The first time someone ever said those words to me was when I was in year six. And the principal at the time said to me, Lockie, I see in you leadership. I thought, what? Like, I was like a little scared little kid. I, I didn't have leadership in me. But he called that out in me. And from that very moment, I started to see myself as a leader. And I have no doubt that that was something that God had actually put on my heart as well and started to, to grow in me and to bring out of me. That principle saw in me what was actually a, a, later a spiritual gift that God had placed in me as well. When I did the spiritual gifts test, one that came out was leadership. Never underestimate the power of calling out value in other people. And so Paul, as, as he's wrapping up this part of his letter, he goes on to give an example. He says, all right, this is what I'm saying. It's, it's going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. 
And he says, I'm going to give you an example. And we read that in verse 5 here. It says, good luck. Paul says, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. The same attitude. Though he was God, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible, church. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, as something to hold on to, to hoard to himself, to selfishly hang on to. He didn't see equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being where he appeared in human form. This is our God. This is our God, church. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. Who he was equal with. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death. He died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor. And gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Significance in the kingdom of God looks like this. Significance in God's kingdom looks like selflessness, looks like humility. Looks like serving. Jesus says this even more clearly in in, in the Gospels. He says, the greatest among you must be a servant. Right? The the, the, the most significant, the most substantial thing you can do with your life is choose to serve. And so we come to my big idea for today, which is this. It is that to live for Christ, to be his followers... To live as citizens of heaven means to live like Christ. That's what Paul's saying in this passage. He's saying, hey, if if you want to live your life for Jesus, no matter what challenges or obstacles you face, what that looks like is living like Jesus. I I think so, so, so often we can get caught up in, okay, what do I have to do for Jesus today? I have to read my Bible. I have to pray. I have to help someone. I have to do this. And we confuse our doing for Jesus with being with Jesus. And being with Jesus is where it's at. Like like spending time in his word is amazing. But if we're doing it to tick a box, we're missing the mark, church. Because Jesus wants a personal relationship with us. A personal relationship. So to live for Christ means to live like Christ. So how how much of your personal devotional time do you spend studying the life of Jesus? How much of your time in God's word do you focus on looking at the way that Jesus interacted with situations? There was a question that I asked a few months back. And, you know, we often think, what would Jesus do is a, is a great saying, and I think it is. But I think what's more helpful is to say, what would Jesus do if he were me? Right? Like, like if, if Jesus was a high school teacher, what would he do in this situation? If Jesus was an accountant, what would he do? If Jesus was a student, what would he do? If Jesus was a good friend, what would he do? What would Jesus do if he were in your shoes today? When you see that person sitting alone, what would Jesus do? When you see that person struggling to pay for their groceries, what would Jesus do? 
Because I think as, as we start to study Jesus' life more, and as we, as we talk about it, as we, as we reflect on it, as we pray about it, what we will see is our own lives start to reflect his life more and more. And so we come back to that tension we started with, which is what does it mean to be a citizen of heaven when we're living in a broken world? And Paul says that our response to the already not yet tension that we see in God's kingdom is to live like Christ. And so church, as I invite the band back up, we're going to sing one more song. I, just, I, want, to, I want to give you this challenge. How in the week ahead might you live more like Christ? How in the week ahead might you live more like Christ? Is there a conversation that needs to be had? Is there a decision that needs to be made? Is there a prayer that needs to be prayed? How might you live more like Christ in the week ahead? Because I look out in this building here and I see the potential to change not just Narang, not just the Gold Coast, but all of Australia and beyond. In fact, church, I see in you the potential to change the world. The church was started by 12 people, 12 young people. Right? One of them messed up pretty badly at the start. Yeah? But then those young people went on and the, and the movement grew. Because they were following the Spirit and allowing God to lead, that movement grew and it expanded far beyond they could ever have done themselves. To the point where now we stand here today on the Gold Coast and are talking about this Middle Eastern man named Jesus. And if God can do that with, with 12 young people, imagine what he can do with you in this room today and your families and your friendship groups and those that you represent. When we are living like Jesus, Jesus says, when he's lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. And he will do that through you. So church, I'm going to pray as we close off now. We're going to sing one more song. I just want to invite you to make that decision in your heart today to say, yes, I want to live more like Jesus. I want to choose unity. I want to choose humility. I want to choose selflessness. I want to choose to serve. Whatever your choice is today, would you join me now as I pray? Father, and so we thank you that we can come together and just recommit to this. Lord, we're broken people and we ask for your forgiveness today in Jesus' name. We thank you that we have it. That because of what you've done, we can have forgiveness of sins. We can experience salvation right now. And even though we're still living in a broken world, Lord, we can live as one, as your church. We can be together. We can be united. We can, we can do life together because of what Jesus has done. And we don't take that for granted. Lord, I pray over everybody who has made a decision today to live their lives like you lived your life. And I pray as they do that, that you might meet them every single day, that you might fill their hearts and work through them. And I ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.